Welcome back to Noise Avocation Podcast, episode 66. I don't really have anything too critical to get into or no special news, none of that stuff. Nope. Uh, Jeremy doesn't have Suzanne Summers' boobs to talk about this time around. You already got it out there. It's over with. So um, (laughs) we'll just kind of jump right into things. Uh, A friend of ours, Nick Hartman, who is an artist out of Grand Rapids. He's from our hometown and uh, was arguably the best skater here when we were growing up. And is just a generally cool dude. Um, He was in, uh, oh shit, we actually forgot to talk about 138. Yeah, and he did a Misfits tribute band. Yeah, he was in a Misfits tribute band for a while around here that used to play a show on Halloween and whatnot. And uh, yeah, just a generally interesting, cool guy with a great art style and uh, all-around nice person in general. Um, So we brought him on the show just to interview him about his art and uh, film curating, um, making movies, horror movies, you know, all that sort of thing. Black metal. Yeah. So without uh, anything else to really talk about, we'll just kind of really jump right into the interview. Enjoy. We have Nick Hartman here from uh, Chapel of Ghouls, you may know him by. So thanks for jumping on the show, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, you just got done with an art show over the weekend. How did that go for you? I did. Yeah. I had one uh, this past Saturday on the 21st of October. It was good. It was a collection of over two years of work. I titled the show Tormented. Uh, and it was just kind of really based off. And I'm sure you guys know. And anyone that's listening to this interview knows that I'm very vocal about mental health, uh, depression, anxiety. So the whole show is kind of capturing those feelings of darkness, despair. But, you know, it's kind of hard to get people out to a lot of these things around October. Like, October's my fucking month. I love it. But, you know, the weekend, kind of before Halloween, people are going out partying. And I don't think a lot of people want to look at art mm-hmm. as much. But it was still well attended. Had a good time. You know, got to have a fucking fog machine in there. Played oh. some music. And, uh, yeah, just hung up my art and tried being vulnerable with it. Yeah, I've seen some of the guys from um, Part-Time Records posting about it and stuff, because I did a record show in, um, I think it was May, in Kalamazoo at Bell's Brewery, and Jeremy came down with me, and we got to meet those guys, and they were really cool, and I've stayed in contact with them over Instagram and stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah, they're fantastic. They um, reached out to me maybe six months ago to do a commission for them, so I've been following each other for a while now. Super, super nice. Yeah, was that one of the, um, I seen a few paintings that you did inside of, I think one was a brewery, and uh, I don't know if I seen the one for part-time or not. Yeah, he never really released it. I think he just put on some t-shirts, a couple of stickers. Um, to my understanding, he wanted to like donate some of the income to a mental health charity, but I don't even know if he ever released it. But yeah, it's, it's out there somewhere. I'm just kind of waiting on him. Right on. I seen one that you did that led downstairs to a staircase or something like that, and it was one of your ghouls that stretched along the stairs, and that one was pretty sweet. Yeah, I saw that. That shit was sick as fuck. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, it was at Broadleaf Brewing, which is another brewery that's been really supportive of uh, my work. It's nice, yeah. yeah. We get a lot of people, because I have those um, those two records that I got from you that had corpse paint on them. I have them hung up in the record store. Yes. And I get a lot of... 
a lot of people that point it out that are like, oh, this is really cool. That's funny. And then you get some old guys that are like, oh, my God, what, who did that to Jim Reeves? And uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking assholes. Yes. I love it. I'm like, what else are you going to do with a Jim Reeves record? Like, uh, And then my kid, actually, like when he seen those, he painted up a Mac Davis all with corpse paint. And I got that hung in the record store, too. Hell yeah. And then um, we had my partner at the record store runs a um, free Comic-Con type of thing called ThunderCon at Art in the Loft. And we took a bunch of junk records, uh, like records themselves, covers, everything over there and brought a bunch of paint. And like that stole like the whole show. Like everybody was painting faces on records and stuff. And um, But it was like you that kind of brought on that idea. Oh, hell yeah. That's super fun. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you both now have both really been into black metal music like my whole entire life and yeah. uh just i thought yeah, i mean black metal's cheesy as fuck let's be honest but it's so good and it's like this uh transformative experience for me and uh the whole corpse paint thing i just i love it i love corpse paint and just putting on those records and like putting on you know like just normal day folk it's just funny to me yeah i like it i think it was a good touch to like the andrews i think it was the andrews sisters was the other record that i got from you yes uh, yep. like the fresh and christian free i think it was or something like <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. we got it like hung above some of the metal bins and then i got the jim reeve one behind the counter uh, but a lot of people point them out man they're like oh that's so cool and then I'll, awesome. I'll always guide them to your instagram and stuff and let them know who did it oh thank you Appreciate that. And then I got a few things that I got from you like years ago hung up in my house still. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'd have to like show you pictures, but yeah, I got this little tiny ghoul that's on like a, it's like a four by six picture. Like I, I remember getting some stuff from you and you threw in a bunch of extra goodies in there and I framed everything and hung it up around the house. And yeah, I yeah, like sometimes it. Sometimes I forget how long I've actually been doing this for, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, uh, which leads me to like how long have you been doing this for like when did you start drawing ghouls and um kind of take on the style that you have because you have your own character style that's like signature to you yeah it's it's a weird journey i mean how i got here and what i've been doing because i really didn't even intend to be an artist you know like i've always liked drawing it's always been a thing that i've done you know in school and shit and i remember just being like you know in high school and stuff I would draw to pay attention. It's like, it's the way my brain kind of works. That's the only way I could really focus. I would get fucking yelled at by teachers, but I'm like, yo, like this is how I process things. Mm-hmm. But you know, like with the whole art thing, it was like, I more so wanted to be a filmmaker. That was like my number one goal. And so I moved to Chicago for a little bit. I studied film and then it's way too expensive there. So moved back to Alpena, worked my ass off at Pizza Hut, delivered pizzas left and right, and then moved to Grand Rapids. And, uh, went to Grand Valley and when I was in Grand Valley you know I got my film degree and everything but I I don't know where it came I mean I do know where it came from this is a whole process of so many bad memories of my childhood PTSD really bad breakups and I think just being in college and being out on your own and be starting to become the person that you are and finding new friends and being just yeah independent these things like trauma uh, your anxiety and depression just slowly creep up and i just started getting extreme panic attacks like out of nowhere uh i would just wake up in cold sweats fuck i couldn't breathe like i was gonna pass out and i was like like am i fucking dying you know like right 
so as these kind of like progressed you know i i would just kind of grab a sketchbook sometimes it's like calm down my brain and i would just start drawing and as these you know panic attacks progressed and got worse and worse i just noticed that when i was having me they started drawing the same image and it was like this ghoul and i was like well what the hell is this and i kind of sat with it and i was like well shit this is my anxiety this is my depression these are my panic attacks on a paper and it was something that was coming out of me onto a canvas or whatever so that's how they kind of like came about and yeah i mean i've been doing art since as long as i can remember i mean i have one of my best friends sent me a photo a skull and crossbones that i drew for him and he texted me he's like you drew this for me in the first grade (laughs) (laughs) gnarly and it's like you know it's i've always just been into art and i've always been into like death i've always been into darkness but like not in like this like harmful way you know i think a lot of people from the outside that look at someone that's into, you know, wearing all black or into serial killers or horror films, they have this like immediate response to being like, well, this person's bad or they're a terrible person, they're harmful. And for me, it's just been nothing but escapism because the world around me is way more darker than than film or, you know, comic books. Almost definitely, dude. There's some true fucking evil out there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I've always been into that stuff, but that's, I've been, doing art since pretty much yeah as, as long as i can remember do you still have like the first ghoul that you drew i don't know i you know because i get the first one i fucking drew it, it was going through a really hard time you know i didn't really right. think that i was going to become like this you know do, doing art called chapel of ghouls and I, I never expected it because i was like i'm gonna be a filmmaker i'm gonna be the next Scorsese. yeah yeah right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i never kept it and um chapel of ghouls kind of turned into uh i called it that for for two reasons and i didn't start calling it chapel of ghouls until like 2016 maybe around there i was always just kind of just going by my name it was that, from the morbid angel song <clears throat> i would imagine absolutely yeah. yeah uh that record i i love it it's one of my first uh death model records i was ever introduced to but then i was kind of playing well what does chapel of ghouls like mean to me you know if you listen to the lyrics of the song it's like really evil like ghouls attack the church crush the holy priest is like the opening lyric and it's like has nothing to do with you know me being evil or anti-religious it was more of like well what do these ghouls mean to me they're they're coming from within and i kind of looked at it like like a religious thing um and putting ghouls like on this pedestal and befriending them and bowing to them and worshiping them instead of running away from them. So like the more I understood like my depression, the more I understood my anxiety, the more I understood my heartbreak, uh, the more I could overcome it. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it's more of like a worship of your anxieties instead of running from them. Yeah, that makes sense. I always thought the name was sweet. I mean, like one, I'm a big morbid angel fan, but just uh, I think it suits your artwork style just because you draw a, a numerous amount of different ghouls and stuff. So it was like it was almost like it was kind of destined to be that. Yeah, it just it almost feels natural. Yeah. Like I was destined to be fucked up in the head with mental health issues. <laughs> and you have like quite a few like random murals around Grand Rapids up. And, uh, like, there's even one on the side of the record store still that kind of got torn apart over the years. But there used to be one of your ghouls on the side of the store. Yeah, I used to – I still do here and there. uh, But I loved going out at nighttime, like, just dressing all black and 
go out wheat pasting and I would just like take a large piece of paper draw a ghoul on it with like a positive message and just go out in the night and just like slap it up and leave it up for the public to see uh the murals here in Grand Rapids yeah I've done a couple uh at some breweries it's really hard to get mural work uh for businesses here in Grand Rapids honestly anywhere just because the nature of my style I don't think a lot of businesses want like barfing ghouls and like decapitated ghouls and stuff like that you know right, uh, right. want flowers and things that are going to bring people into their business but you gotta keep I it real do, man. say that again you gotta keep it real man mm-hmm. fuck the flowers that, i've had requests to do certain things in the past and uh never want to be rude towards anyone but i'm like no sorry it's not for me and i'll just you know send them someone else and i don't care how much they're going to pay me because right. i don't want to you know sound like oh, I'm so true to punk rock and metal, blah, 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 and skate. But, like, that's my culture I grew up in, as you guys know. Like, money's not everything to me. I'd rather stay true to who I am and what I do. Yeah, plus if you're doing a painting or uh, some type of piece that your heart and mind isn't into, then it's just not going to turn out as well as what it would if it was. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly why I, I've turned them down because I'm like this. I'm not into it. It's not gonna come out the way that. Nah, dude. It's like selling out. Yeah, hundred percent. But if they're like, we're gonna pay you a million dollars to put a family of ghouls up here fucking each other, you're like, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will sign in blood. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'm really grateful for all the opportunities that I do get, and I hope more do come. But it's uh. Just trying to stay true to myself. I seen like on uh, Instagram you were in was it Italy like a while back? Yeah. Um, did you put any uh, ghouls up around Italy while you were there? Oh, I did. When my when my oh, so I I'll get this question sometimes. People will be like, "So, what is your your biggest accomplishment?" You would say for Chapel of Ghouls, and my response is always, "When I went to Vatican City and I took a Chapel of Ghouls sticker and I put it in the Vatican City for the oh, Pope nice. to see." Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah, that, that was be... a huge accomplishment for me. Um, and yeah, that that trip was just incredible. Me and my wife were supposed to go in uh, 2020 for our honeymoon, but you know, yeah, pandemic hit. So we finally got to make it a reality. We went to Venice, uh, Rio, and um, Rome. We were there for like two full weeks. It was mind blowing. Yeah, there's a ton of cool scenery and shit there. Like, I've never been there because I'm not big on long plane rides, but uh, I would like to go. You'd just have to maybe sedate me on the plane to get me there. <laughs> Dude, I fucking drank, like, six beers. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hate flying. Yeah, hate I'm it. not big on it either. Um, I, I will if I have to, but I would really, really prefer not to. Yeah. So, and that's that's how I was too, and it was like because that the flight to Italy because you know we had like three different transfers, but like the long flight was like ten hours, man. And over like, the ocean, over the ocean, and like in my head, <laughs> things I didn't have. I'm like, dude, like I can't escape. Like if I wanted to, I can't escape. I'm trapped in this yep. fucking yeah. flying tube that's going over like 900 miles an hour. Like it's so weird to think about. So. Yeah, I just get in my head and like anxiety kicks in and all these weird scenarios kick in. So I'm like, fuck this. Give me some beer. Uh, calm me down and try to, try to pass out. But Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to pass out on a plane. I would. I, the longest plane ride I've had is like three hours. And after that, I was like, I'm good. 
I don't want to like drive me back from Florida. Don't even fly me back. Straight up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while till I, till I fly again. We're talking about going to Norway in 2025. Oh, that'd be always, fucking sick. Oh, you know. uh, yeah, that would be sweet. You got to go in the winter, though, to get like the full experience, I feel like. The full black metal experience? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would I would at least. I feel like if I'm going to Norway, I would think cold, frigid, you know. But I guess it's not too different from here, aside from a lot of historical scenery and stuff. But weather-wise, yeah, I feel like it's roughly the same. I feel like it's going to be a lot of the same weather, climate. It's just like, you know, me and my wife, she, just, she knows and is really... Uh, understanding of my passion for like black metal music and all that shit and she's super supportive of it and i was like i've been saying i want to go there like that's my bucket list and she's like let's go so i just want to go to oslo for like a day or two fucking you know check out all like the history of black metal and then probably just go to sweden or some shit after that but is your we'll wife into black metal too or no not really no you know they say opposites attract yeah uh, she just tolerates it she 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 doesn't hate it or anything and she just she'll listen to it with me which is great so if i'm like in my studio painting she'll come in here and hang out and i can blast like the most vile you know mesanthropic black metal and she's like yeah this is this is all right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh i took her to her like her first metal show maybe like two years into dating and going back to morbid angel they were playing in grand rapids so i took her to that show and uh there's this band called dreaming dead that opened and it was all women. It was all women fucking metal band. And she like fell in love with it. She bought a record. So she does have like a metal side, but oh, she nice. usually s- sticks to, uh, we're both really into dungeon synth. If you're familiar with that. Yep. We're a little bit. Yeah. Have you ever listened to an artist by the name of Ella Valon? I have not. No. Oh, so he's a friend of mine. He's from Ann Arbor or Ann Arbor ish area. Uh, and he does a, bunch of different dungeon synth music he owns his own record label uh called barrow horde records and he's got a bunch of different projects i'll get with you on instagram about it and send you the stuff but i I was not familiar with dungeon synth like when he brought that to me i was like what the hell's dungeon synth and he's like well imagine like lord of the rings music and I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, he has this one album that he wrote while he was up here because he's got his parents have like a cabin in Presqu'ile and stuff. And it's called Drums in the Deep Wood. And it's like, when I listen to it, I'm like, this is basically like stumbling across a gang of trolls in the woods playing some really awesome, beautiful music. And like, that was like my introduction to Dungeon Synth. I love that. Yeah. Me and my wife, like, every morning, we'll make a pot of coffee and uh make breakfast and just put on dungeon synth because it's just calming you know like yeah it has like this atmospheric spooky kind of vibe to it sometimes so like there's best of both worlds you get like this like hobbit happy sound the next track is like going into fucking mordor and it's dark so it's like best of both worlds for us yeah i seen that vertigo had a dungeon synth section last time that we were there and i was like oh, oh yeah. shit that's cool yeah it's popping up quite a bit Earlier you said like you like to go out at night and like kind of sticker slap things and um, paint on stuff. Like how did you get started painting off in the graveyard? Because I've seen that you do that. And I even seen you like on the news and stuff with like a whole group of people painting in the graveyard. Yeah, I am. I'm really driven about community and people. And I really think that kind of stems 
like from skateboarding, but also film. And, but like, it's a niche crowd and niche community where like come from skateboarding. There's like, you know, in Alpina, there's only a certain amount, but I felt really connected to them. And with film, especially like horror movies and uh, even metal music, there's like a niche crowd that's attracted to it. And I like, you know, being in this art scene, I was like, I want to create a niche crowd that I feel connected to. And so I was like, I want to kind of launch the cemetery art crew. And I wanted it to be, I don't want it to be like this celebration of death. It's like the antithesis of that. It's more about bringing people into a graveyard and sharing a shared experience, uh, the beauty of life and just being together with strangers, like having a beer or having tea or whatever you want to drink in there while the sun is setting and just like really being aware of your mortality, being aware of people around you and being aware of like every breath that you have. So yeah, I try to do them at least three times a summer. It's it's hard with my schedule and everything else I'm doing. But yeah, I just wanted to bring people together in a, in a unique way instead of being like, hey, guys, let's just meet at a coffee shop or a brewery or I wanted to have meaning. Yeah. And I, I mean, it fits your style in general. So I thought it was a cool idea. Plus, it would be like one of the quietest places you could think of to go have community painting. Yeah, it's extremely peaceful, you know, and like if you look at different cultures, you know, like in France and everything, it's such a normal thing to go to the graveyard, have a picnic with a bottle of wine. You look in, you know, Mexican culture, they're like, they, day of the dead, they dig up their relatives and party with them, you know, but here in America, it's like, it is so taboo, it's considered like evil or whatever it is, you know, and it's like, it's a part of life it sucks that it's going to come to an end. I don't know what happens after, but I know that I'm, when I'm here, I want to really celebrate it. And I want to educate people on being like, get off your fucking couch, like stop eating and shoving your face with food and not doing anything like get out because there's like a statistic that I read. And it was like, I don't want to say it was like 80% of people when they're on their deathbed are just like filled with regret. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Because they're not doing they're living life that they want, you know, and they're just so concerned about what other people think. They're so concerned about like, I don't know. I think everybody's scared of failing. Scared of failing. Exactly. And then like yes. you said, you get to that fucking deathbed and then you're like, well, I that was, I yeah, dude, failed. Yeah. I should have failed. Exactly. I kind of yeah. had a, a recent epiphany myself about such things, you know, and, uh, I have, um, when you were talking about, you guys were talking about flying which I know nothing about, <laughs> but yeah. and drinking beers, so I don't drink, and I would have to use the Dave Lockery fucking ethic of we're only here for a few minutes. Fuck it, let's party. And I think about yes. that, and I'm good to go, dude. And, yep. not, and it doesn't even mean in like a bad way. It's just like it is what it is, dude. Don't fucking don't let this shit get you down. Yeah, my dad always says, and I think he got it from a country western singer, um, but he's. He always says, uh, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some John you know? Wayne shit or something. Yeah, and it's I've kind of lived by that motto, too. And um, I'm a huge hypochondriac and just, like, terrified, like, really terrified of death. But it's a huge motivator for me. I, I was ex- really exposed to it at a really young age, more than anyone else should. Like, I was fucking shit eight years old for my first funeral. And uh, it really stuck with me. And I think ever since then, you know, I continue to lose people after that. But it just made me wake up and say, you know, like, I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live. Obviously, being conscious of other people, too, and feelings. You can't be selfish all the time. Right. 
but making sure that you're living day to day, trying to do something for yourself every single day. So when I wake up, like one of the first things I do when I walk out my door, I'm just literally thanking the universe, whatever it is, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, or just even myself just for existing and say, what am I going to do today to make the, the world a better place? And I just try to live by that motto as much as I can. Which is a good motto to live by because okay, like a lot of people get wrapped up in like boredom is like a very, very slow death. Like yes. you choose to do absolutely nothing with yourself in uh, as far as like whether you're fearful of failing or whatever the case of why you're choosing not to do what you want to do. I mean, unless what you want to do is like, you know, go around beheading people, then I guess you should probably like hold off on that until you're <laughs> yeah, a little right. older. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. like, it's a good motto to have because I like, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I'm, I don't want to die. Like I would rather be here for a long, long, long fucking time, but it's going to happen at some point. And yep. I, you know, I would rather when I'm at that position be like, okay, you know what? It's my time. I did this, that, and the other, and I'm happy with that. And yeah. You're going to have regrets one way or another, no matter what. But I mean, that's life. Like, can I ask you something? You said you went to your first funeral when you were like eight. Yeah. So I also went to funerals uh, quite often. Oh, the only difference is um, to not to, I don't know how, my mom's real fucking weird. And she like funerals are almost like social gatherings, I believe to her. She's fucking weird. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so in that sense, like where you, you said, you, you know, that shit like freaks you out or freaked you out. It did the reverse thing to me. To where it's kind of like, I guess it, it is what it is, you know, to me. Like, sure, I, I don't yeah. have a fear of death. I have a fear of not living, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, everyone has their own experience with it, right? Oh, for sure. That's why I wanted to, you know, just it's, you know, affects everybody completely different, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I have buddies that are like, yeah, I don't fucking, this, you know, honestly, me and my wife, again, like I said, are opposites attract because she's like, Take me now. I don't care. <laughs> like she's yeah, like always yeah. jokes about that shit. You know, she doesn't even flinch at the thought of death. Where I myself, like, I think about it probably at least fifty times a day. And it's not just like thinking about my own death. It's also thinking about, you know, my parents. Oh uh, yeah, dude. My wife thinking about my dog or like who's gonna go first. You know, and it's like not really the best way to live all the time to always be thinking of someone or your own demise. But it's also I'd rather think about it than not so I can really appreciate the time that I have. And yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's so many people that get their lives cut short. And uh, it's that's like probably my biggest fear, just, you know, not getting a full experience of life. But Yeah, getting your plug pulled early, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Going back to black metal a little bit, I wanted to ask, like, when you're painting and you're listening to music, is there any black metal artists or albums that kind of uh, help mold your style or bring like certain things out onto the canvas for you? Yeah, um, I mean, it's probably it's like my favorite like black metal band that I put on a lot is uh, Carpathian Forest from Norway. Just because uh, it's just so raw and violent sounding. Yeah, I think and they're like a very underappreciated black metal band. Like they get, they don't 
get as in the spotlight as like your mayhems and immortal and that sort of thing. I agree. Exactly. And they, and they should, I, you know, like, and it's such a weird thing, you know, when I really look at specifically nineties black metal and the history of what they done, not good people, you know, a Fuck lot of no, the lawyers, dude, horrible motherfuckers, <laughs> terrible people. And yeah. it's like, well, should that be supported? It's like, well, I don't want to support what they did. However, there's like this like strong interest in it because I think with black metal and the people that were involved in that scene are people that I could never be. Right. And it's like, when I was in my youth in high school into that stuff, it's like, I didn't really understand what they did. I just liked the sound of it. I liked how it made me feel mm-hmm. as I got older than like recognizing like them wearing corpse paint and like this, it almost felt like an extension of myself that I could not be like, I can't be extremely hateful. I can't, I'm not going to go burn down a church. I'm never going to murder anyone, you know, but I think that every single person that walks among us has negative, violent energy in them. It's a part of life. It's the human experience. We get mad. We get pissed. That's okay. That's normal. But how do we handle those emotions? And for me, black metal is like all the anger that I feel towards humanity. So bring out the misanthropy but knowing that I never want to harm anyone, right? So it's just like full on, like if I have a really bad day at work, I had a bad interaction with someone or I saw something on the news where someone was mean to someone, it's like coming back into my studio, putting on like Carpathian Forest or just like hateful black metal and hating the cruelty of the world rather than, you know, does it make sense? I just, yeah, absolutely. Separation of myself. It's kind of like redirecting your fucking feelings towards other things really you know yes yeah like uh, i'd rather in a way like the same as like fascination with serial killers and stuff like yeah you're not glorifying or supporting what they did but the psychology that is behind all that is intriguing it's like the same way people are into true crime documentaries like yeah you don't want to go out and murder your wife or husband or maybe you do i don't know but (laughs) It's not like you're going out actively, like, protesting, like, we should murder people. It's an intriguing um, an intriguing topic. It's the same way horror movies are intriguing, like that feeling of being on kind of like the edge of your seat type of thing. Yeah, exactly, 100%. And uh, that's why I've always been into that stuff, you know? It's like you said, man, I think some people are just geared, you know, into the darkness or in tune with it a little more than others so you get drawn to it you know what i mean yeah i mean like you go back to like i said like my first funeral i was like eight years old and then after that i continue to lose people left and right and it's like well how can i not be entwined with darkness right when it's exactly. something that i experience a lot of and then you know having my own health issues as a kid being locked in bed and thinking i was going to die and all this shit, you know so it's like i feel it's just it's a part of me um yeah it's a weird thing are there any newer black metal bands that you're into by chance? There's a band from Canada that I really like uh, called Nocturnal Departure. They uh, put out this record called uh, Cathartic Black Rituals. Uh, it's very 90s sounding. Really, really good. Highly recommend it. Um, it's another band. I, I just wrote it down because I don't know if I know that. They're great. Uh, there's a band called P- Portrayal of Guilt. That one uh, I do know. Yeah, great band. Their newest record, Devil Music, is like, I saw them perform um, maybe like uh, six months ago at the Pyramid Scheme. 
And it's just like, you know, I didn't even know what they looked like. And I just like was listening to their record and it comes out and it's like this fucking, it's like a kid, young, probably in his twenties, like cross punk looking kid. And, but like his vocals are so demonic. I loved it. And there's so much anger in it. Um, really into the band Kraft. And Kraft, honestly, okay. I will say like, it's not newer, but I always go back to my throwbacks from high school, like old school Cradle of Filth and old school Dimmu. Like I will always love that shit. Yeah, dude. I, we get on kicks like that. I was, that's what I was going to ask. Are you more into, it sounds like you're into both. So that kind of answers my question. But I was going to ask if you're more on the lo-fi side of things or more on like the melodic side of things for black metal. But I think it kind of sums up both. Yeah, I can't, you know, just listen to like one thing. I mean, I'm full on like a metalhead and that's like 95% of the music I listen to. But like I bounce around pretty much everything. I, I love a lot of the new school death metal bands that are coming out, like Torture Rack, uh, Flush Rot, 200 Stab Wounds, like they're really changing the game of death metal. And Did you yeah. see 200 Stab Wounds when they just played GR not that long ago? Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. It, really good it's it was strange though i mean i feel like he's the the vocalist uh changed his singing style a little bit just kind of like doing like these like hardcore vocals but like the their one record slave to the scalpel it's like full-on like guttural death metal vocals and yeah. now like the new one that they're putting out seems kind of like more hardcore it's gonna be hard on his fucking throat or something you know what i mean well That's they were on that um they were on the Pain of Truth record, too. Yeah. So they might have some hardcore I'm sure roots they and do ties. Have some ties somewhere. Yeah. But they're great live. Highly recommend. You'll get a chance to see them. Yeah, I haven't gotten to see them, but I did see, like, another local band that I know of, Self-Absorbed. They have a chick singer. Um, I've listened to them off and on a little bit, but i seen them opening up for them, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, good for you guys. Oh, yeah. That's rad. But 200 Sad Wounds, like, I... Uh, it's good workout music. Like it, it really like pumps you up. Like that, I love that "Slave to the Scalpel" record. And then the they've come out with like two, I think two singles so far off the new album. I can't remember what the name of it is though. Yeah, it's like "Masters of Morbid- Morbidity." I yeah, think it's yeah, called. that sounds right. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked for it. Um, I I'm always excited for new records dropping. You know, I mean, uh, I try to keep up on it. Like we. Um, try to stay up to date on everything so for the sake hard. of the podcast just yeah uh, of course and for the record store so i can you know pitch people like oh check this new band out if you like this band there's this band that sort of thing it was kind of hard though sometimes too just because like oh it's really hard there is a lot so of shit content out there. dude yeah. like it's every get... day there's a new band that pops up and you're like man i do not like, and they're fucking good. And they're good, too. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. you're like, I don't know if I got the time to dive into these guys. Yeah, me and my buddy have this text thread. We just send each other new music all the time, and it's like, you know, I'll listen to the record maybe once, and I'm like, fuck, man, the record was incredible. Like, I got to go back, and it's like, when you go back, then, like, 2,500 more records just dropped. <laughs> like, yep, you can't yep. stay on top. Yeah, it's like every Friday, there's, like, four or 500 new releases amongst, like, all genres of music. Yeah, that's why I would just kind of go back to the basics and listen to Cradle and Demu, obviously like old school Misfits, shit like that, you know? Yeah, Cradle of Filth was huge for me as a kid. That was like the first band that I remember really freaking me out because I remember Same. seeing uh, the From the Cradle to Enslave video and they're like conjuring up that like big demon thing in the video yeah. and you're just like, I was like 11. I'm like, what the fuck is this? 
Yeah. And it like pulls you in, but at the same time, you're like kind of freaked out to watch it. And then I remember buying the Midian CD and they have that like satanic mantra on there where they're like just chanting this archangel, dark angel, lend me thy light. And it goes on and on and on. Yep. And I remember hearing that in my room and I was like, oh, my God, my mom's going to think I'm conjuring up demons in here. <laughs> like, but I mean, that was cool to me, though, because it like gives you that like little bit of thrill to where you're like this is fucking like it's kind of like gives you an adrenaline rush to where it's uh it's intriguing that's what it was for me especially cradle because like if you obviously look at the history of like rock and roll and shit people lost their minds when elvis like shook his hips then you know you have like kiss or like oh my god nights in satan's service is so evil you listen to that shit now and it's so tame yeah. but like our generation you know, like that was cradle of filth you know and it was like i remember seeing from cradle to enslave as well and i was like I should not be watching this. Yeah, but. yeah, because they had that like uncensored video too that was like pretty graphic, and you're like, yeah, yeah. I play that video for for friends at parties all the time. <laughs> <laughs> What's what I always appreciated about Cradle and Demu, those two bands in particular, is like listening to any other tracks is like instant. Like you close your eyes and there's a, you're there's a movie in your head. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes, I, extremely. I love that. About, I love about the, the symphonic stuff, you know, if it's done right. Yeah. There's a band, a newer band called Stormkeep, that they have like a really cool melodic black metal sound, but they also incorporate dungeon synth into their music. Yes, I love them. Yeah, they're great. I think there's some, a couple of dudes from Blood Incantation. Yep, that is that. correct. And then also they have another band called Wayfair that is, uh, I think it's the guitar player that's in Wayfair. But they okay. they bounce between the three. Wayfair is like, it's not black metal. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe, I guess. But lyrically, it's all like American folklore, like uh, like eighteen hundreds, like cowboy era type of stuff. But it's a really cool um, sound and content. And like, I don't think there's been a band that's really touched on that. It's definitely unique sounding. That's for sure. What's it called? Wayfair. They just they have a new record coming out Friday called American Gothic, I believe is the name of it or something along those lines. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm gonna download that shit ASAP. And then they have a there's like another do not know how to pronounce it, I'd have to message it to you. But those guys that are in those run of bands, they they have a lot of different projects that all contrast way differently from each other, but are all really good. I just I can't imagine being that talented. <laughs> Yeah, right like, be involved in those bands and it's to crazy. have that sound like coming from colorado too because like when you think black metal bands like that a lot of them are in finland or norway or uh you know france or just somewhere that's not typically the states and then you got these bands now that are pumping out like this almost like nostalgic black metal yeah tour you're like wow this shit's really good coming from america I'd love to see it. Not know? that we can't make good music, but it's just it wasn't popular here. Like it didn't start here. It was a you know it was an overseas thing. It was the contrast to death metal originally. Yeah, yeah. I feel like America was really well doing hardcore and punk. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So going to like movies and stuff. Are you still making movies yourself, or what are you doing in regard to that now? Uh, yes and no. I mean, like the last film I made was like 2016. It's been a while. Um, Is that the one that you premiered here in the alleyway? 
That was a different one. Was it? Uh, I can't this, remember. Uh, I can't this remember. One, the, the last one I did was called Fuck You, Steve. It was like this like revenge film kind of thing, but it was uh, with little children. And it was like these three little girls uh, and one girl and the group gets and they, they go by the, this, uh, what I call them, the slasher sisters. They're like into horror movies and stuff, little punk rock girls. And uh, one gets her heart broken by this little boy named Steve. So they decide to egg his house and get revenge on him in light of flaming bag of dog shit on his porch. Uh, um, that's a Billy it was fun to make. Thing. You know, I wanted to make something kind of like innocent, fun, cute, but like heavy. And right. it was kind of like a commentary on like all the shitty relationships that I've been in. But other than that, no, I, uh, I have two films that I'm kind of playing with. And I was talking to my wife about it. And I was like, I really want to get back into filmmaking. It's hard with my career, hard with hard with you know chapel ghoul stuff but i was like how can i like incorporate chapel ghouls back into filmmaking so have you thought about doing going... like a animated chapel ghouls type of film to where you you bring all your ghouls to life animation wise i that would love to do that but i can't animate to right. do that it's like it's so animation takes so much time and i don't have the patience like a lot of my art when i'm painting i'm just fucking like drawing as quick as possible and just getting emotions out right. to like do body movement with it i just would never be able to do it with my patience that is but i uh i want to do like this an experimental black and white film uh kind of just kind of dealing with like i really wanted to feel like like very black metal influence but using a lot of like cloaked figures uh i've made masks in the past so i want to use those and the other one i'm working on i want i'm a sucker for films that have like dinner parties in like these conversation pieces but also home invasion horror movies and i have this vision i kind of started writing it and i want it to be this couple's having a dinner party and invite people over they're all kind of hanging out doing their thing having conversations listening to records drinking wine and outside there is a group of home intruders that go by uh, the ghouligans and they all have different masks and one mask represent anxiety one uh, represents depression, all these different bad human emotions. And they break into the home, end up pretty much murdering everyone in the house. And But each one's going to represent each person's uh, struggle with mental health kind of thing. And when the slaughter happens, I want the camera to pan out from this window. And when you it pans out further, you're going to see this guy walking down the street and on his head is that house. So like he inside of his head, there's this murder happening uh, and it's him just kind of dealing with his daily struggles of anxiety. It's going to be hard to pull off, but I want everyone around him that's walking around to have houses on their heads as well that have these things kind of going on inside. Uh, it's a whole kind of commentary metaphor for like, we don't know what people are dealing with when you're walking past them. Right. That's actually a really sweet idea. I always want to do that shit too. Like, I wonder, you know. Why is this motherfucker looking at me? What is he thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely. And then I, he's I always wonder, like, if he's wondering what, what your head would look like on a stick. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if somebody yeah. always yeah. think like, what if somebody here can read my thoughts and shit? That freaks me out. Too. Yeah, did this guy just all the time. I need that fucking magneto helmet, dude. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. How did you get into creating your own films? Uh, just by pure obsession with cinema you know when i was growing up i you know I, I had epilepsy as a kid and i was bedridden for a long time 
And I remember a specific moment where I was in my bedroom. It was like a summer night and I'm like hooked up to all these fucking machines because they're trying to figure out what's going on with me. And I could hear like all the kids that are outside like laughing and playing basketball and I can't move. And I remember putting on uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure and that movie transported me out of like what I was dealing with and made me feel like I was on the road with Pee-wee Herman going to Texas to go to the Alamo's basement. <laughs> And uh, I would watch it on repeat just to try to escape everything I was kind of going through. And as I got older, you know, losing family members to death, uh, going through breakups, then I started getting this uh, passion for horror movies, uh, mostly through my father, too, because he would, like, put on Universal Monster films. And then, you know, my brother's five years older than me, so he'd, like, have friends over. They'd be watching horror movies. So I would sneak out and watch them. And I just know and just remember the, the way these films made me feel and I wanted to create those emotions for other people through uh, cinematic practice I suppose um, so yeah I was like I'm gonna go to film school and I also went to film school and got into art because I remember telling myself at a young age that I never wanted to work a day in my life and if I could be successful in film or art then I'm just doing what I like to do I like to have fun with it and right. I still wake up in the morning and fucking pinch myself because the fact that I get to program, you know, a historic theater is insane to me. It's insane to me. It makes no sense sometimes, but I'm extremely fucking grateful. But that's what got me into film and why I wanted to make my own films. What was the first horror movie that you remember watching? Oh, man. So I was probably the one that really stuck with me. I was probably 11, 12 years old. And uh, a friend down the street was having a birthday party. And his dad rented just a shit ton of horror movies. And he came back. So it was my you know, family video was open, came back with all these VHS tapes, put them on the ground. He's like, all right, have fun, boys. And got us a fucking pizza and uh, soda. And we put on uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I remember everyone just being fucking petrified. And I was <laughs> like, my eyes were just glued to the screen. And I just never felt anything like that before. And I was like, kind of got obsessed with it, but I remember going home the next day and I was really, I felt really scared, you know, like I didn't want to sleep, but it was also like, it made me feel so alive. Yeah. It's like the, it's the thrill of the ride. Yeah, for, fucking adrenaline, yeah. man. Yeah. Especially yes. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Cause that's like a, it's a very intense first exposure to horror. It's like, not like, uh, you know, some people are like, well, I seen, uh, trying to think of something less like extreme i don't know like little shop of horrors or something you know right. it's like less uh, yeah. less graphic but like texas chainsaw i mean people are getting their faces cut off and there's like no blood all these crazy like camera angles and these effects that he had and then like at the end when he's fucking running around all crazy with the chainsaw and like that was all improv and whatnot yeah, it's, it's, it's so well done. That movie is a literal masterpiece. Like And like you just said, like, no blood. And like you hear that title, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it sounds so violent and so gory. Then you watch it, and it's like, no blood. It's all in the head, dude. It's incredible. The most fucked up thing, though, out of that story, so you're saying, like, you know, a lot of people are introduced to, like, you know, more playful horror movies. Uh, I remember that night, too, where... When his father threw down these VHS tapes, one of those films in that was Faces of Death. Fucking right. Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> the dad didn't know what it was. Right. You know, he's like, oh, it is a horror movie. And we threw that on, and I can still remember the opening scene, and it fucked me up. 
like yeah, that's gnarly that shit. was the lesson we watched and i was like what the fuck you know and i uh was talking to my wife about it actually because it was you know i was drinking some beers working on art and i was like thinking about that and like so i ended up ordering a t-shirt like the original cover of faces of death and i wear it around a lot and i get these like looks and these questions and it's like that movie i don't like it I'm so upset that it exists, but at the same time, I'm so happy it does because I remember seeing it and it made me appreciate life so much. And it's like a, a thing that I continuously go through my head being like watching that shit was like, yeah, it made me appreciate life. So raw shit. <laughs> yeah, I remember watching Faces of Death with my friend's dad and him when I was pretty young too. I, th- I want to say I was probably 12-ish. And I just, you like, should not see it well. <laughs> I know. Like, I didn't really understand just how, like, horrifying it really was because you're just, like, your innocent mind is just kind of, like, not interpreting it the way that it should be interpreted. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, like, when you, you know, you grow up and you're watching other horror stuff and you look back on that and you're like, holy shit, like, I should not have watched that. Like, as you might as well have shown me Cannibal Holocaust at that age. Like, <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, it's when that really stuck with me. Because they were really made to look like the stuff was real. And, it, it, I mean, for the longest time, like, people really thought it was. Oh, yeah, I thought it was real up until, like, five years ago. Yeah, I've shit me too probably like because i remember hearing or reading something that was like yeah it's kind of like a spoof film and same with cannibal holocaust like yeah there were some animals that got injured during but there was no like eating of people in there and uh, right it's just but it's made to look so real that you're just like you your young mind doesn't know that it's not and i think that's what kind of you know going back to like kind of got me into movies it's like this weird taboo obsession with movies and like you know, being in high school too, like people like tape trading VHSs, like, dude, check this movie out. It's banned in the UK, it's banned in America, check this out. And it's like, oh, this is fun. You know, like. Yeah, you knew if it was banned that it was going to be something good. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's not so al- many not always right uh... now that are badass that are still on VHS and have never been fucking digitally converted, man, that are out there. <laughs> I have a actually a giant VHS collection. I, st- I still collect them. It's a weird obsession. And oh yeah, my son does that shit too. When it comes to horror, nice. some of that stuff you can't even find on DVD, or if you do, it's real expensive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, like I went to uh, they have these things called tape swaps. Uh, there's yeah. one in Muskegon, about 40 minutes from me, and it was t- a ton of VHS vendors. And I went to one table, and this guy had Faces uh, faces of Death 1, 2, and 3 for sale for $250. Wow. Damn. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, like, I, I almost wanted to get it just to say that I have it, but I was like, I don't I don't want it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. the T-shirt's enough. Yeah, that's pricey for three VHS oh, yeah. tapes. But I have heard of, like, recently some of the stuff's going for an obscene amount. Oh, yeah. Tremendous amount. It's crazy. Have you ever seen the movie with Lou Diamond Phillips called The First Power? I haven't, no. Okay, so that's a VHS tape that I have not been able to find. And it is my favorite fucking movie about possession. And it's fucking, to this day, still gives me the heebie-jeebies. And, I've only, and I have a copy of it, but I, I can't find it anywhere else. Looking, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write that down. Try to check it out. The First Power. I never um, cared for possession movies. No? No. I don't know why. I just like to see my villains 
and uh, I guess those you didn't see the entity that was possessing, so they didn't draw me in. Oh, I fucking love <clears throat> that first, the first power, and prophecy. I like those. I mean, like there are good ones. It's just like that. I didn't. I guess I always lean towards more towards like Evil Dead and stuff because it was you could see the deadites and shit. Well, when yeah. you guys were talking about Faces of Death, I watched that when I was young too, but I watched it with my grandpa, and that's who I watched movies with, and he would laugh during that shit. So, oh my God. <laughs> right, like so, I already knew like it was fake, and then like okay. a traumatizing moment would have been like The Shining, and I was like. I was small enough to fit on a love seat and sleep on a love seat. I know that. So maybe like eight to ten. And sure. like when the chick comes out of the bathtub and it's like, oh, I fucking rip the blanket over my head and my grandpa <laughs> just laughs. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's like, so like I have a, again, a totally different fucking outlook. So weird. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean. The Shining, though, that scene is, yeah, yeah he definitely chills, man. Yeah, like, that movie's fucking scary still. Have you seen yeah. the original, like, the Stephen King Shining? Like, the fucking made-for-TV? Yeah, it's not nearly yeah. as good. Yeah. I wish they would have put the fucking, the lawn animals that are in the book, they put them in that made-for-TV movie, but they're like Edward Scissorhands, you know? Like that right. kind of oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. And like in the book, though, those things were like moving around and fucking with people. I thought that was cool. So yeah. you watched Doctor Sleep? I would imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did you like it? I did. I thought it was pretty cool. I read the book way before the movie came out, and uh, just because, like, as a big fan of The Shining, Definitely. I thought it was really cool. And I, it was a cool premise for a book and a story. Like, I thought it was a good continuation of. I liked how they showed in the book him turn into Jack and like just do create like. He's just getting mad fucked up and, like, stealing money from a chick's purse. And then, like, he sees a baby and, like, it's all fucked right up, dude, you know? Yeah. And, but they made it real, you know what I'm saying? So I thought they did a good job on that book. Yeah, I liked it. And some of the Stephen King books can be kind of like, oh, my God, just get to the uh, point. Yeah, I know. Oh, sorry, we left you out of the conversation, man. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying listening, yeah. Um, so... Going back to, like, films and stuff. So you went to film school. Um, you went in Grand Rapids, yeah? Correct, yeah. And you were a, a film curator, from what I remember? Yeah, so I went to film school to be, a, like, a filmmaker. You what know? is a, uh, is a curator just a maker? Is that just a fancy word for filmmaker? Curators, like, so my career, um, I guess I'll tell you the, the quickest way to tell this journey. So, yeah, I was in film school to, like, direct, write films. And uh, then I got, there's a place called the UICA, was the Urban Institute for Contemporary Arts. I had a buddy that was working there as a projectionist, and he asked me if I wanted to get a job there. So lucked out, and I started, you know, doing projection there. And what happened is uh, the building was about to go under, and they brought someone else in. Like, the university bought the UICA, and they fired, like, everyone that worked there and kept two people, and I was one of those people. And they brought me on as the film curator. And what that means is uh, I got to program and select certain films for the theater. So my job entailed me like just watching. It was all foreign cinema. We played nothing pretty much but foreign cinema, art house documentary films. So I got to like, you know how like a art curator like picks paintings for a wall. Mm -hmm. I got to pick films for a, for a one screen theater. So I did that for eight years. Uh, then the pandemic hit. I lost my career. 
And then I started bartending and making art just to get by. And luckily, there's another theater here in Grand Rapids, a historic theater called uh, The Wealthy Theater, built in 1911. They brought me on to uh, help curate films. Um, I run a, a film series called Open Projector Night, and it's a reoccurring event that happens four times a year that celebrates nothing but Michigan film. So we open up submissions for anyone that wants to submit if they made a film, but they have to be either living in Michigan or from Michigan. And we put together like a 95 minute program and I screen all the films, put together the show and we have events four times a year. So yeah, I'm just watching a lot of movies and curating things. Yeah, that's fucking sick. Does it have to be filmed in Michigan or the director or producer, et cetera, just has to be from Michigan? Yeah, it has to be like connected to Michigan, either through content, location, or crew. So, like, okay. if the filmmaker, like, you know, is born in Michigan and he moves to LA and he has Michigan roots, yeah, we'll we'll put him in if it's good enough. So, like, if Sam Raimi wants to submit a film to you, <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, I won't even screen it. I'll just put it in because it's fucking Sam Raimi. Yeah, that's cool though. I mean, that you get to actually like, not many people get to do what they want to do like especially when it comes to film like that's a really hard industry to get into extremely and that's what i was saying earlier like i wake up and i pinch myself every day being grateful for what i have and what i do but what i said earlier too was like i just knew from like a young age that like i never wanted to work like ever not like because i'm lazy or anything it was more like i just want and i knew because life is so short that like we're gonna fucking die and that sucks So while I'm here, I want to make sure that I'm doing something that's meaningful to me and hopefully meaningful to other people. So, and I really think that kind of stemmed from like skateboarding too. Cause like, I just, that was my, like my my main goal was to be like a professional skateboarder. I was going to ask, were you aspiring to be a professional skater at any point? Cause around Alpina, like you were like arguably the best skater there was here. It was a huge compliment. It means a lot that people thought that. Um, but it's, yeah, I was obsessed with it. And I look at like my skateboarding compared to my art, compared to my passion for film. It's like, when I really get into something, I get obsessed with it and I want to be, want to put everything I have into it. So like with skateboarding, it was like, Hey, if I'm going to make it and get sponsored, well, if no one wants to skate with me, I don't care. I'm going to go to the skate park and I'm going to skate for hours by myself until I learn a new trick. Like with painting, it's like. Oh, I'm putting on an art show. I don't have enough pieces. Okay, I guess I'm going to stay up until 6 o'clock in the morning and then go to work at 8 just to get it done right. Oh, with film. You know, like, it's just something I just, I love it so much and I want it to be successful. But I, I, I really owe it all to skateboarding. Did you ever have any skating sponsors at any point? Direct Skate Shop. <laughs> the yeah, best. I knew that, um, yeah. Not really, no. Um, never really happened. I mean, that's, uh, like, that's shit that's arguably harder than film to get into. Like, that's another hard business. Well, to really... dude, in Michigan. And in northern Michigan. Like, yeah, nobody, was, nobody was so looking here for that. You. Yeah, I sent in sponsor tapes to a couple of people, you know, just to try. But it was like, yeah, exactly. You said, like, being in northern Michigan. Like, if I wanted to succeed at that, I would have had to move to California at a young age. And it's like, you know, I talked about it thought about it but i was in a relationship with someone and they're like no you need to stay with me 
I was like, okay, I guess I'll stay back. And, you know, that obviously was a dumb decision. But, um, <laughs> well, well, maybe <laughs> worked out where they're supposed I to. I mean, you know? maybe not. It led you to where you're at now. So, yes. And I wanted to bring up, like, what you said. You're like, I don't, you know, I don't want to work. And I think people misin like misinterpret that. And the word work maybe shouldn't be used because you don't want to do a nine to five. You want to do something you enjoy. And your work ethic is amazing you know what i'm saying so it's yeah 100 like, percent. You know, yeah it's not like you're not putting in work right but you're not like i think growing up in alpina like has that effect though because i kind of the same way like you see so many working class people who are just kind of in a job whether they like it or not and they're just like well I, I gotta get up and do this i gotta do this i gotta do that and it's always like i have to go do this like it's never i get to go do this right like yes when I come to the record store, like, shit, there may be days I make $10, but I'm still, like, I get to come here every day, and records are what I get to do for my livelihood and stereos and stuff like that, which is what I enjoy doing. So good day, bad day, profitable day, whatever, like, it's still, I love doing it. And, you know, I'm not rich by any means, but I can live off of it, and that's more than good enough for me. A hundred percent. Like, you're rich at heart, right? Yeah. You know, I, guess I would so I feel. much rather be rich at heart than rich in my pocket. Yeah. Not like, that being rich I'm in, the in film business, pocket I wouldn't it, be bad, you know? but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool to have an unlimited source of cash where you can go do whatever you want. But at the same time, like, I don't know, I would just rather be happy and live my life happy and not have to be on somebody else's time. And like, I get to do what I want to do. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a. Uh... I think about that sometimes. It's like, man, if I had all the money in the world, I think I would just get fucking bored. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like you can you see all these celebrities that like get to do whatever they want whenever they want, but it's like, are you really that happy when you have everything at your fingertips? You know, like sometimes like a struggle makes you appreciate things. Oh, more. fucking right, dude. Especially from yeah. a creative standpoint, like because if you have all of every tool possible at your disposal, then like your creative mind is dampened by you know, so many distractions or so many different things that are clouding your brain. But like, if you have less at that forces you to be more creative. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes even having less, you know, I, I come from poverty. Like we did not, I did not come from a rich family at all, but having less, you know, like sometimes it's depressing, you know, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, well, let's turn this depression into something good. And then I put it into my art and yeah, I'd rather have, pain to no pain if that makes sense it helps with creativity yeah absolutely and i gotta work a shit job till my kid is a fucking adult so i got a couple of years to go <laughs> where, where are you working oh i work um for omni oh nice okay yeah is, doesn't kirchhoff do that too kirchhoff works for fucking budweiser peanut beverage now yeah. or something oh no shit okay okay i think he's a forklift driver i'm a welder fabricator i get burned <laughs> shit one day we may have a rich and successful podcast for all you know. Exactly. I hope. <laughs> Hopefully, at least. Um, so you you still skate like to this day, yeah? Oh yeah, absolutely. Any chance I get, it's uh, it keeps me young. You know, it's like my form of exercise because like, I I personally my personal thing I do, I hate going to the gym. I hate it. <laughs> like I've tried it. I don't like exercising. So like skateboarding is like my exercise. And it uses like every portion of your body. Yeah. So 
Also, um, damages every portion of your body when you fall. Yeah, dude. <laughs> when I fall now, holy shit. Yeah, it's I, it sucks, dude. Like, it, it is so much more painful. Isn't that shit weird? Because yeah, as a kid, so you can just, weird. You can oh, just yeah. get up and walk off and shake it yeah. off, and you're like, oh, broken leg, no problem. I'll drop in in five minutes. Yeah. 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 I'm out for like a week now if I fall. So I just like, when I skate now, I just, I keep it simple, like K-flips, board slides, 50-50s, things I know that I can do, you know? I'm not yeah. trying to fucking crick around a 15-stair rail anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I never got skating. I was never good at it. I tried like hell, and then, like, I kept falling, and I was just like, ah, fuck this. This hurts. It's, it's painful, man. I My body, like, I'm probably going to have arthritis when I'm old, like bad back and shit, but... Oh, being a roller weenie dude destroyed my fucking knees. <laughs> yeah roller oh, for you, sure. you get it man it's it's painful but it's so much fun though you fuck know? yeah i just like hate that adults were right and shit you know being oh, yeah. like don't jump off those roofs why yep. you know because you'll feel it when you're older yeah like yeah. fuck you dude you can't do this shit <laughs> and then, i i yeah. have uh hope you know like tony hawk's still going he's yep. like fucking in his late 50s and he's still going strong so it's just about like taking care of like your physical health your mental health uh, stretching every morning that kind of stuff like i don't like doing it i hate it but i do it because i want to have longevity you know uh stretching is key man that's where a lot of people go wrong is not like getting up moving stretching uh, like forms of yoga that sort of thing like a lot of people even like I'm a little bit younger than you and Jeremy and like even people that are my age in their early thirties, like you see people that can't even get up off the couch already or they're already on like back meds and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. damn dude, like stretch. Exactly. And it's, it's American culture too. You know, like when I was, uh, when I was in Italy, I just really saw the difference of cultures and how people were there where you have like, no joke, man, we'd wake up like at 8am walk out on the street to go get like coffee and whatever, a croissant, whatever, some shit. And you see like an 80 year old man sitting at a cafe, drinking like a glass of wine. And it's like a super normal thing. And then everyone walks everywhere. Yeah. So when I got back here, it's like, I need to start doing that because like in Grand Rapids, everything, you just drive everywhere. So mm -hmm. I was like, I need to start walking everywhere. Cause it's so much better for your health. So I like park my car, like miles away from my work. And then I walk to work. I walk back up. to my car because I'm like, it's just there's so much longevity there because people live this like one, they live this carefree life where they're like, they close their their shops like at you know one o'clock for like to have a, a wine break and just relax and celebrate life. Then they open up and they just walk everywhere and it's like here's fucking fast food on every corner, a bar on every corner, like, and it's this it's not built for walking on every corner as well. Yeah, it's. It's crazy. I think about it like this. When I was in uh, grade school, let's say, you'd have, like, a couple of overweight kids or there'd be, like, one fat kid. But now it's the other way and there's, like, the one skinny kid. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it is very fucking – it's scary, dude. The, the stuff that's in our food is so terrible. America's – Sorry to say if it offends anyone, but it's not the best country on earth. No, fuck no, dude. No, far from it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've, we're like the best at being fat and locking people in prison. 
Yes. <laughs> that's that's, that's yep. like about it. I just think it, you know, it goes like a person is smart and people are stupid, you know? Yeah. Well, like take a, something as simple as walking. Like if you just implement that into your day-to-day life more than the average person, like you're already like a way ahead of the game. The fucking mayor in uh, New York, now this probably I believe was pre-COVID, but he tried to take like elevators out but only used for emergencies, and, like, the whole fucking city was like, you're out of your fucking mind, you know, like, people that started freaking out. In New York, I don't know about that. I that's know, it's a, a lot, lot of stairs. That's a lot of stories to go But, I mean, I get where he's coming from. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah his, his heart and ideas in the right place, but, like, there's, I think New York has the most stories out of anywhere in the oh, world. Oh, I, I would think. Yeah. But, yeah, I walk every day, me and, uh, Mildly, Imagine working on the 99th floor of your building and you're like, fuck, I gotta climb up all the way up here every morning. Then, oh, God. Then you just You'd roll have great thighs, fake man. an injury and use the elevator. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you would have the best To the whole fucking purpose of what I was just saying. <laughs> Find the American way around it. Yep, the American way. Um, so... A couple things, like, one, before we start wrapping stuff up here, like, do you have anything that you're working on uh, as far as art currently, like, moving forward past your most recent art show? Are you working towards another art show, or are you just kind of going with the flow? Yeah, I mean, after this show, putting on a show takes a lot out of you, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's not like you can do it every weekend. Right, yeah, and this is, I, I feel good about it, but I'm trying to take a little break. But I know I won't. I just I don't know how to really do that. I'll take like a day or two off painting because painting is like my release. You know, if I have a stressful day or I'm feeling anxious, I like to paint and it calms me down. Yeah. So I'll definitely get back to work. But um, just recently, this past summer, I finished uh, my first comic book. Nice. So I'm working on issue number two right now, um, which I'm hoping to drop in November. So that's like the next project I'm working on. What was the name of the comic book? Uh, Chance from the Chapel. I was really influenced by like old EC horror comics and just like these kind of cheesy tales, you know. But I, if you read Tales from the Crypt, it's always introduced by like the Crypt Keeper kind of thing. Yeah. So I was doing something similar. I have like the Ghoul Keeper and he's like introducing the stories, but they're all influenced by like mental health and they're more like, I said a comic book format. It's more like, free writing if you will of my thoughts uh things that i'm going through like fear of death um i have a very black metal story in there like full about like misanthropy and like just wanting to slaughter really terrible people that make the world a better place i mean make the world a bad place for people to live in as like a vigilante yeah tons of stories with illustrations it was fun uh so i'm working on part two now can you did you like print them up physically there's a local printer in town that I go to. It goes by Brownlee Press. Uh, incredible at printing stuff. And he worked with me to, you know, get the layout and everything and print them. So. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah. How many did you do in a run? I did 50. And it's funny because, like, I'm going to do 50. And I was, you know, talking to my wife. And I was like, there's no way they're going to sell this many. But I want extra for, like, friends and family. And then I posted it. And they all sold out in, like, a fucking hour. Yeah. <laughs> I was like like incredible like so humble and i was like holy shit people want this you know um meant a lot to me so i feel like i want to i want to continue on with them just try to make as many as possible might have to double up the run next time 
Yeah, I'm probably going to order like 100 next time. But I also kind of like the idea of just doing a limited run, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like with records and prints, like... Oh, definitely. The punk rock approach, you know? Like, I don't really want to try to just keep capitalizing off people. It's like, cool, 50 people have it, and only 50 people will have it. And that yeah. makes me happy. No point in oversaturating it. Yes, yeah, exactly. That, that happens a lot in records now, especially, like, with the, the ever-growing popularity. Like, ever, it used to be, like, uh, we did 2,000 of these you know a thousand of them will sell the other ones will sit for a bit and now it's like we did 2000 orange 2000 blue 2000 red 2000 and it just goes on and on and on and on oh yeah yeah of course i mean it's cool you know for the store and for business and everything but like at the same time it takes away from the the like exclusiveness i guess to it in a way like it doesn't seem as personal in some cases it kind of feels more like corporate yeah i would agree with that i mean i get it though too at the same time it's like gotta pay the bills yeah you know i understand and like i mean you know i would uh i guess i would rather have more records to sell than less records to sell yeah but for sure there are instances where i've seen like okay we did a thousand of these it's never to be redone again and then like you're like oh shit i gotta get that now and then you get it and then a year and a half down the road, they redo it in a different color or they change the cover or something. And you're like, I thought you weren't supposed to be doing this again. It must feel kind of cheated. Yeah. Like you're like, well, you just used kind of a marketing tactic to pull me in and it worked. And so like, <laughs> right. Like, Damn yeah. you. Um, <laughs> but it happens. But I'll definitely check out. Um, the fucked up thing is, you know how many times we fall for it, and then every time, and yeah, and then they're like, "All right, dude, not yep. gonna do." Oh shit, I'm dude. right there with you. But what the I fuck? Mean... What if? What if it's the one time they actually yeah, where they don't, don't do yeah, it? You know. And there's just some guy up there uh, rubbing his dollars together, like yep. you fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got you again. Fuck. Have you heard the band Goblin before? Oh yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, they just came to our theater and did this whole performance and played the film Demons on the oh, screen. Oh, that is fucking sick, dude. Really? It they was came incredible, to the man. So I met Claudio Simonetti, and uh, they were selling a Demon soundtrack. And it, on the thing, it's like only 666 copies. So sick. So I bought one, but I'm like, I guarantee you, like, two months from now, they'll just drop it to, like, a different color, you know? Yeah. It happens a lot with, like, Record Store Day and stuff now. It used to be all exclusive. Is there and... footage of that show that you were just talking about? Yeah, I think not on our end, but if you follow Goblin or Claudio Simonetti on Instagram, he just posted like a Grand Rapids story and video. Oh, I'm going to check that shit out. Thanks, dude. Yeah, of course. One question that we ask everybody, I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes that we have out, but we always ask people just because Jeremy and I are both pretty diverse in music and listen to all sorts of different things. Yeah. Uh, what is something that you listen to that people wouldn't expect you to listen to? Brenda Lee. Damn, that is why we asked this question, because I would have never guessed that. Brenda Lee is one of my favorite musicians. That's awesome. I can adore her. That's crazy because we have like a bajillion of her albums and nobody, oh, ever, nobody ever buys them. I'll come buy every single one. <laughs> I have some real crispy Brenda Lee 45. Yeah, I, her 45s especially, I come across them all the time. Next time you're in town, stop in, and I'll hook you up with a fat stack load. of Brenda Lee for free. Oh, man, yeah, I I love her. Uh, my film that I did recently, Fuck You, Steve, the opening has one of her tracks, and I was 
I kind of fell in love with her because I was like driving around town one day and it came on the radio and I was just, you know, kind of feeling blue and shit. And uh, it just, it hit me and I was like, yeah. yeah so dude. I just got really into her. My grandmother loved her when I was growing up. Yeah, so, mine did too. And yeah. Her and um, like Loretta Lynn and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Patsy Klein, all yeah. those women of country yeah. were just incredible. And they wrote great songs too. I mean, that stuff was incredibly controversial for their time and coming yeah. from women. Yes. Because at that time it was very like uh, women need to be in the kitchen or whatever people thought back then. Right. And uh, like they I were. I still re- think that. <laughs> <laughs> they were rebelling against that. And uh, it was fucking cool. Like I, I really like like Fist City and all that stuff like that Loretta Lynn did. She broke a lot of boundaries down. I couldn't agree more. Love it. But all right, man. Um, do you want to go ahead and plug your social media and stuff for the listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, all I have is pretty much Instagram. It's just Chapel of Ghouls and the of is spelled with a zero. So yeah. that's where you're going to see most of my stuff. I'm really bad at being an artist and like having a website and selling my stuff. I get that question a lot. But if you ever, uh, yeah, just go to my Instagram page, see all my paintings there. Yeah, Instagram seems to be the best route for all that. Like, we tried making a Facebook for the podcast, and it was like, there's like 20 people following it. And I'm like, ah, this is just, it's weird because for like the record store, the Facebook is jumping, and the Instagram is kind of like, eh, whatever. And then like the podcast is completely reversed. It's like Instagram is like kind of like made for creatives in a way. Yeah, completely agree. It's, It's weird. Social media is a strange thing. I uh, don't really know where it's going to go in the next, you know, few years, but... I think eventually it's... it'll fall apart, to be honest. I think it's going to, because as well. Because so many people, like, like people in our, like, age group kind of grew up with it, and then, you know, we're just used to it, but, yeah. like, people like my kid just turned 13, and, like, he doesn't really use a whole lot of it like he has tiktok and kind of scrolls through like videos because he's really big into boxing so he'll watch like boxing videos yeah um but as far as like instagrams and facebook's go and stuff like that like he's just like i don't care i don't really want any of that stuff yeah my kid fucking good for you dude i think it's gonna go back in a different direction to like when we were kids at some point we were just like people are just done with it you know like you go on there and it's just filled with so much bullshit and people wanting to be like these influencers and it's like yeah everybody wants to be like the next paris hilton or whatever yeah it's just it's a shame you know enjoy being outside get off your phone i have have another question it's a necessary tool for business things related to the to music and nick if yeah and i don't want i don't make i'm gonna ask you this question and i don't mean it to be hard but if you could choose a song to describe you, what would it be? Like, what could we play on this episode? Oh, that's a good song. Or that's a good a really question, question, I mean. <laughs> good song. But I, don't, but I don't want, yeah, but I don't like think too hard. I got to think about this for a couple seconds here. Oh, or a minute or two. yeah, yeah, do yeah go ahead. That's why we have editing. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, you know, my, my favorite band of all time, probably overrated for a lot of people, is Nirvana. Okay. Um, Kurt Cobain was like the biggest influence on me. He he has this quote that I live by, and it's like, wanting to be someone else is a waste of who you are. And I've always resonated with that. And I will probably say there's a song called uh, I Hate Myself and I Want to Die. 
And that song I love because it was like this whole like he wasn't serious when he wrote it and the title is so in your face and I feel like that a lot of the times where I have these days you know of depression and anxiety hypochondria and a lot of self-doubt I look myself in the mirror and I'm like just fucking grossed out with what I see and it's like I hate myself and I want to die but it's like this mockery of it because I really don't you know it's the feelings that I have is what I hate I love myself You know, so I would, I would go with yeah, Nirvana. I hate myself and I want to die. Gotcha. It's on. That was a good question. Up to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wait for somebody to have some ridiculous answer, like flock of seagulls. I run or something. (laughs) I want to use, um, the horses song. Horses. The Buffalo the Patty Bill. Smith song? Oh, Buffalo, Bill. Buffalo Bill. I think. It's, oh yeah, dude. It's fucking like, horses. Like Q, Q Lazarus, I believe, is the fucking artist. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I tried to find song. a single of that right long time ago, twelve inch single. Fucking ridiculous. Oh, like four hundred bucks, dude, and Jesus. that was like ten years ago. So I don't even know now. It might be way down now. Oh yeah, or maybe they repopped it. Yeah, it might be. Times. Yeah, we should look into it that depends. after. Because I've seen some of that stuff that years ago was hundreds of dollars, and now you're like, yeah. this is $4. That'd be crazy. Damn. Do the tuck and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, man. So, uh, I know you just got out of work, and you probably want to unwind and do your thing. So, um, one, thank you a bunch for taking the time to jump on, talk about yourself, talk about your art. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's really nice talking to you guys. It's been it's been a long time. So yeah, I, uh, dude, you've been gone. I think I'm gonna be in a Pina for Thanksgiving. So I'll definitely hop in the record store. Right yeah, on, for right sure. On. Sorry, uh, like last time I seen you, I was in a hurry. I had to like run and grab my kid from down the road. Uh, so when I seen you here, um, it was like a couple months ago. Now I was like, hi, bye, type of thing. So. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Totally get it. So, but yeah, I'll definitely, uh, when you're, when this podcast is wrapped up, send me a link. I'll, I'll promote it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'll be making up some like little promo artwork and stuff and I'll be in touch with you on Instagram about it over the next few days. Sounds good. Thanks again for the opportunity, guys. Yeah. Thank hey, you. Nice man. talking to you. Yeah, have a good night. Yeah. You too. Take care. Peace. Peace.